You know, I, I was just thinking how thankful I am that the Lord documented words in the Bible that are going to touch our hearts. He actually documented a conversation between Jesus and this outcast woman called the Samaritan woman. I know a lot of you know the story, but I want to go back and I want to look at how Jesus draws this woman into a conversation that's going to change her life. Just like you and I, a conversation changed our lives. So I'm kind of anxious to get started, so would you pray with me and we'll look at this Samaritan woman this morning. Father, we come to you in the name of Jesus, Lord, and we just thank you for what you've done for us. Lord, how, how we appreciate and love your word, Lord. So thankful of the things you put in there for us. And, and it, even though this was written so long ago and this happened so long ago, it ministers to us today. Lord, your love never fails. And it's just an amazing thing, Lord, that, that we can come together and we can share your word together. So, Lord, I'm asking that you would bless the women in this room. You would bless those that have joined us online. And that, Lord, your Holy Spirit would move freely in this place. We give you praise and honor and glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So I kind of want to give you just a chronological uh, journey so you know where in the Bible that this conversation happens. Jesus and his disciples had just left the Jordan River. Remember, that's where John the Baptist was baptizing. He baptized Jesus. And then Jesus' disciples were baptizing. They made a couple of more stops, and then they went up to Jerusalem for the Passover. Their next destination was Galilee. So what happens, an amazing thing in this story, is that they are going through Samaria, which all of you know the Jewish culture and the rules and regulations of those days, you never go through Samaria, Samaria because, I mean, those people are unclean. Those people are mixed breeds. They're half Jewish and half something else, so a lot of mixed marriages. So the Jewish people would never be caught going through Samaria. Uh, and I'm going to show you a map in a little bit. But first I want to, our study, our homework is John chapter 4, verses 5 through 30. But I just want to back up just a little bit to verses 3 and 4 that says, He left Jesus, he left Judea, and departed again to Galilee. But he needed to go through Samaria. And that's going to be our question that we're going to ponder today. Why did he need to go through Samaria? That's the question of the day. So I kind of thought, you know, these Jewish uh, people, their culture, that they couldn't go through Samaria when they left because everybody went to the Passover, right? So those going back to the Galilee region, I mean, they went way out of their way. And I kind of wanted to see what that is. I don't know what it is in miles, but here's a little map. If you see down where Judea, which is Jerusalem in the Judea region, if you see, it's kind of like a straight shot to Samaria, isn't it? Look at that. Boom, it's just straight shot. But oh no, the Jewish people would go over to Perea. Look how far that is out of the way. I mean, this feud that had been going on between the Jews and the Samaritans for 
like 550 years, it was better than the Hatfields and the McCoys, you know? I mean, this feud just went on and on. So isn't that, I mean, it seems silly to us when we look back to it. Of course, they were very staunch in their, their rules and their, um, you know, all their, the culture of that day. So we see Jesus now. He is literally, all that, he puts all that aside, doesn't even enter his mind, right? He is breaking through the barrier of the Jewish culture by going straight through Samaria. Verses 5 and 7 says, So he came to a city of Samaria, which is called Sychar, near the plot of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Now Jacob's well was there. Jesus, therefore, being wearied from his journey, sat thus by the well. It was about the sixth hour. A woman of Samaria came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, give me a drink. Wow. I love, number one, that we get to see the humanity of Jesus. He was tired. It was a long trip. I don't know the mileage, but you can see from the map. It was quite a ways from Jerusalem to Samaria. He was tired, and he was thirsty. He was God, but he was also man. And you know, that it's that God-man mystery that we probably won't really truly understand until we get to heaven. But I like to, when I read scripture, I like to kind of imagine what it looked like, and that helps me remember it. So I have a picture of Jacob's well, of what it may have looked like. It's just a, an idea, but they put together what it may have looked like when Jesus went to Samaria can't you just see him sitting there next to the well and this woman comes with her water pot, the Sumerian woman? And then she comes at the sixth hour, which would be around noon. This is an unusual time for women to come and draw water and she's all by herself. So that gives you a little insight into this lady because most of the women would come with their water pots in the evening, in the cool of the evening, and draw the water. And I would imagine when they got together, that was probably their social time. They probably got up, uh, you know, all the latest gossip and everything. You know, that was their, their time to come together. But this lady, she wasn't a part of that. She came by herself at the hottest time of the day at noon. And Jesus asked her for a drink of water. And the other thing I love about our God is that he validates his word because of all the things that they can positively identify from the Old Testament is Jacob's well. It's there today, it looks like. This is it. This is the actual picture of Jacob's well. And God preserved that, I believe, for you and me, that we know God's word is true. This is a real well, and Jesus was a real person who sat by this well and talked to a real woman. So our story is true, okay? So I love that. Jacob's well, there today in Israel. You can go see it if you go to Israel. Verses 8 through 9 say, For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. Then the woman of Samaria said to him, How is it that you... Being a Jew, ask a drink from me, a Samaritan woman, for Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. Okay, one thing that happened here, you know, these little teeny things that happened that are God-ordained is that 
when you traveled in those days, you had to have, you, you took water pots with you because you would, you know, your water came from either a well that you came across or the, you know, a river or a stream or whatever. And Jesus didn't have a water pot. How come? Because the disciples took it with them. They didn't even think about him. But you see, that was divinely ordained, right? That they took the water pot. Otherwise, why would he have to ask her for a drink of water? You see how it all fits together? So I kind of want to look at this woman. And, and mind you, these are my thoughts. This is not scriptural. I'm just thinking. <laughs> I like to think about this lady. What was she thinking when she comes to the well? She recognizes him as a Jew. So obviously he was dressed, you know, as a, as a Jew. So I'm wondering if she's thinking, well, who is this guy? He's not bad looking, you know. I don't know. <laughs> you know, this is my thoughts, okay, just my thoughts. Uh, and she was totally shocked that he even spoke to her. I mean, he's a Jew. He's not supposed to be speaking with her. Not only was she a Samaritan, but Jews were not allowed to speak to women in public. I even read, this is so weird, I even read that if a Jewish man was out in public in the streets and his sister came up to him, he was not allowed to speak to her. Could you imagine seeing your brother and going, you know, can't talk to you right now because, you know, we're in public. But that was what was going on in that day. So this was a shocking thing that happened. This man, a Jew, speaks to this, they call them half-breeds, this woman, this outcast, this Sumerian woman. Interesting things. But in here again, we see Jesus now crossing the barrier of gender, right? Not only did he go through Samaria, he also is speaking to a woman in public. And the other thing that about this feud that was going on, it just had a lot to do with where their temple was. You know, the Jews, their temple is in Jerusalem. And the Samaritans, their temple is in Mount Gerizim. So this was just a, uh, this feud that, that was going on for 550 years, this feud went on. So I love how Jesus, and I think this is good for you and I to learn when we're talking to an unbeliever, how he draws her in. He very gently simply says, give me a drink, very gently. And I, I just could imagine what his voice must have sounded like. So um, she acknowledges that he didn't have anything uh, to drink. So let's look at verses 10 through 11. Jesus answered and said to her, if you knew the gift of God and who it is who says to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, Sir, you have nothing to draw with. The well is deep. Where then do you get this living water? So you see how Jesus, he didn't let her get him off track when she talked about the feud. He's talking about the water it's symbolic. He's using the well, the water in the well, symbolic of the living water of God. And he came to offer her the gift of God. She doesn't quite get it yet. She's still thinking about this. But he gets her attention, doesn't he? He says, if you only knew who it was that was speaking to you, you'd ask him for a drink of this living water. And he was the only one that could give her that living water. The problem is she's thinking of the physical drink of water, 
and he's speaking of a spiritual drink because she says to him, okay, well, this is great. Where do I get this living water? You know, give me some of that. I'd, I'd like to have some of that. So she's totally thinking in the physical realm when this is a spiritual thing that he's saying to her. You know, then she wouldn't, she's probably thinking, whoa, if I had this water, if I had this living water, I wouldn't have to come out to the well. Those women, I wouldn't have to worry about them. You know, she's probably thinking all the things. Again, those are my personal thoughts. It's not scriptural, okay? <laughs> so then she begins to question his authority. In verse 12, she says, are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us this well and drank from it himself, as well as his sons and his livestock? Like, hey, buddy, you know, you think you're greater than Jacob? Come on, Jacob's famous. He's a famous man in, in the Old Testament, right? This is his well. He dug this well. He even drank from it. I mean, Jacob, right? Shouldn't have a clue who she's talking to. You know, so she's questioning who he is. But Jesus, he doesn't let her get him off track. He sticks to the main point. I love what Pastor Jeff always says, let the main thing be the main thing, and he's sticking to the main thing. So he, she doesn't get him off track, and of course he's greater than Jacob. She's going to find that out. But the living water is the point of this conversation, not Jacob's well and how it got there. Verses 13 through 15 say, Jesus answered and said to her, whoever drinks of this water will thirst again. But whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst. But the water that I shall give him will become in him a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water that I may not thirst nor come here to draw. You see what she's thinking, right? Like, oh, I want this. Boy, this is great. I won't have to. Won't have to, I can, you know, they didn't have a faucet they could just turn water on. They had to come many times to the well to get their water. And she thought, well, wouldn't that be wonderful if I didn't have to come here and, and get this water and carry it all the way up the hill and, and not talk to those, those women, that group of women. And I love the, um, the picture of the fountain of water, you know, how a fountain is just so beautiful, how it just keeps giving fresh water. And that, that's the, that living water is always fresh. It's that fresh water, that spirit within you. And Jesus had wanted to give her this amazing gift. Verses 16 through 18 say, Jesus said to her, I love this part, go call your husband and come here. And the woman answered and said, I have no husband. And Jesus said to her, you have said, well, I have no husband, for you have had five husbands, and the one with whom you now have is not your husband, in that you spoke truly. Wow. Woo, boy, when something like that hits, can you imagine her shock? How did he know that? How did he know about those five guys? Now, we don't know if uh, the divorce was because of her or the guy, we, we don't know that. But it sounds like this lady is looking for something to be fulfilled within her. You know, that emptiness that you have before you come to know Jesus, she's searching and she's thinking a man can fill that. There's only one man can fill that, and that's Jesus, right? But that's what it seems like she's doing. So we get a little more insight into her character, don't we? So, and, and the thing is, in those days, I mean, 
living with a man was really, really a big no-no, you know. But this, remember, this is kind of a Gentile uh, uh, area now, Samaria, because, you know, they're half Jews. They're not holding to all the Jewish cultures and everything. But even in my day, <laughs> my day and my younger days, I mean, it was, it was kind of a no-no to live with someone. You know, now, look, you know, I mean, it's just like no big deal. It's no big deal. But God does not approve of that, living with someone. And he knew she had this inner void that needed to be filled with this living water, and she tried to fill it with a person, a man. So she was caught in her sin. And she had to realize right now, oh, there's something about this guy. He's not just a mere man. There's something different about this guy. So now she wants to change the subject. So she changes the subject, and she becomes very, very spiritual. Okay, but before we move on to that, I want to just stop. I don't want to wait to the end. I want to stop right now, and let's take a look at this woman, because I think that perhaps you might see some of you in this. Now, a lot of you have been blessed to be raised Christian. I wasn't. And a lot of you weren't. I didn't come to the Lord till later in life. And I honestly can relate to this woman. Maybe you can too. You know, her life, she had, it was damaged. All these relationships, can you imagine how horrible that was? Looking for love and never finding it. And one man after another leaving her. She was lonely. I mean, she came to the well alone. So that means she had no women friends at all. All she had was a guy she was living with, and maybe, maybe the other men would talk to her. I don't know. But she was alone. She had no interaction with other women, and we need that, don't we? I love coming together with, with all of you. Even though we may be distant apart, we're still together in spirit, you know? We can get to talk to each other. We get to say hi and let each other know we missed each other and, and love each other, and we're happy to see you. You know, we need that. I need that desperately. I need it desperately. And she had a really bad reputation in the city. She was known as a sinner. She was an outcast in society. And she probably never, ever felt like she was loved. And I'm sure she felt shame and guilt and that emptiness and longing for something. And she tried to fill it with relationships. So, you know, I, I just think about this and uh, go back to, to when I wasn't saved. Uh, and maybe you too. Maybe you were one of those that you never really felt like you were accepted or, or that you kind of fit in. I kind of felt like that at school because I changed schools a lot. I never really fe felt like I uh, would fit in. I just felt like I was an outsider. Uh, maybe at work. Maybe you don't feel like you're fitting in at work or at school or, or whatever it is you do, or even in a group of women. Maybe you don't feel like you're part of that group. But you know what? Jesus makes us one. We're one in him, aren't we? So there's no outcast. There's no fitting in. We all belong because we belong to the Lord. But this poor woman, she didn't have that. And what I love about this story is the love of God, how he went to so many lengths to speak to this woman. He had Jesus cross all those barriers to speak to this woman, this one woman, this lost soul. And that's what he did for you and me, didn't he? 
You know, and I have to tell you that I kind of had to laugh a little bit because when I, I read this part about when uh, she kind of became spiritual, you know, and, and started talking about Jacob and everything, when um, I first met my husband, I did the same thing. He, uh, he was a Christian, and I wasn't, you know. I was wild thing. Well, I think I was wild. My husband says, you don't even know what wild is. But I, I thought I was a wild thing. And uh, then when he told me that, that Jesus loved me, and I went, oh, um, oh, well, I know a scripture. You know, immediately I'm like, I, I know a scripture. You know, like I'm somebody, and I, I know a scripture, you know, and I didn't even have a clue. But I did know a scripture because my grandmother taught me it, so I just blurted it out. That scripture changed my life. But I kind of had, the, you know, a little laugh here, like, yeah, I do see me in this woman, and maybe some of you see you in this woman, because we all were lost, weren't we, before Jesus came into our, our hearts. We were all empty. I know I, I felt like at that point, I, I was so ready, because I had dated so many men, looked for love, like I did marry all of them, but I mean, I dated so many men, and I just felt like I had this big empty hole in my soul, and and nothing would seem to fill it up, you know? I'd fall in love and think that was it and fall out of love the next month, you know? I just couldn't fill that emptiness. But I tell you, when I accepted Jesus, I literally, literally felt just this, this warmth come and just fill up that void. And that's where this lady is at right now. She's got this big hole in her soul that needs to be filled with the love of God. Aren't you thankful that, that God loves us that much? Aren't you thankful that God looks at your heart and not at your outside? Oh, thank God, because I, I immediately thought I remember 40, 46 years ago, I remember what I thought. I went, Jesus, he, he can't love me. He doesn't know all the things I've done. And then in the next thought, I went, and I was smart enough to know this, oh, but Jesus is God. He knows everything, right? So I'm so thankful that God looks at the heart, and I love the scripture. It's the last part of 1 Samuel 15, uh, 16, 7. It says, for the Lord does not see as man sees, for man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. And I am so thankful that the Lord looks at the heart. And then after you get saved, you have this thirst and this hunger uh, for the word and for God. I mean, I just couldn't wait to open up the Bible and see what it said. You know, I was so excited. And the psalmist understood that as well. In Psalm 63, one, he said, oh, God, you are my God. Early will I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh longs for you in a dry and thirsty land where there is no water. Is that an amen? Does your soul thirst for the things of the Lord? You know, maybe some of you are going through a dry land. It sounds like, uh, you know, the psalmist was going through a dry land. We do that. I mean, I have seasons where I go through a dry land. I don't feel like I'm really getting anything or, you know, reading, and it's just not making any, not making any sense, but just not, you know, ministering to me. And, and that happens. We go through a dry land, but I love it when the Lord refreshes us. And all we have to do is ask him to refresh us, and he will. And, you know, maybe some of you need a refreshing today. Maybe that's why you're hearing about the living water again, that you need that refreshed. 
Um, you know, so just so many things in this story that I believe you and I can relate to. So, you know, and I, I go back and I, I want to kind of, I think it's always so good to go back and think about when you first got saved and, and the things that happen after that, because that just gives glory to the Lord. I remember I went, oh, the sky is so blue. Oh, the clouds are so white and fluffy. Oh, Ben, look at this flower. It's like, have you seen this flower? Look at how intricate it is, how the Lord did this. It was like everything was beautiful, right? You, do you agree? I mean, it's like the Lord just puts that in you. It's like you see things so differently, you know? It's just amazing. I love that. And I believe, and we're going to see this, that the Lord did that to this Samaritan woman. You know, we don't hear all the things she had to say, but boy, I bet you she, she just changed her whole outlook on life. And she more than likely changed her lifestyle. I know I did. You know, I had to change how I dressed and, you know, and how I talked and, you know, all those things I had to change. But, but the Lord did it, and he did it so gracefully. I'm going to summarize verses uh, 19 through 24 for lack of time. Uh, just to kind of tell you what happens here where she gets so spiritual. She, she says, well, I perceive you're a prophet, right? Okay, now this guy just told her everything about her or that she had five husbands, which was pretty much everything, and the guy she's living with is not her husband. So oh, she goes, well, I perceive that you're a prophet, you know? And then she begins to question the place of worship, whether it's in Jerusalem or Mount Gerizim. And Jesus answered and said, listen, a time is coming when we will not worship in any particular place. In other words, worship is not a physical place. Worship is spiritual. He said, we're going to worship in spirit and in truth because God is spirit. So it doesn't matter where you are worshiping the Lord. I worship the Lord when I'm, you know, doing dishes or taking a shower or just when I'm driving, you know, just that constant communication with the Lord, I believe, is what he, he wants from you and me. So we worship in spirit and truth. That's what we did this morning with worship, beautiful worship that Jessica gave us. And I do want to read verses 25 through 26. It says, a woman, the woman said to him, I know that Messiah is coming, who is called Christ. When he comes, he will tell us all things. Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. Does that give you chills? <laughs> My goodness, could you imagine being there? And, and, this, and Jesus saying to this woman, I who speak to you am he. And interesting that she knew that the Messiah was coming. So she did have some knowledge of scripture, didn't she? She knew the Messiah was coming. It had been 400 years, but the Jews still were waiting for him. They're still waiting for him. They don't realize it's the second time he came. So she did have some understanding of, of the scriptures. I'm going to summarize verses 27 through 30. The disciples come back, and it says they marveled that Jesus spoke with a woman. Now, I don't exactly know what that marveled meant, but they probably were, oh, holy Toledo, he's talking to a woman. Not only a woman, but a Samaritan woman. But they didn't say anything to him. They knew better. And I love this part. The woman is like, when he, Jesus says this to her, she drops her pot and she runs to the city and she begins to tell all the men, not the women, all the men, she tells them, come see a man who told me all things I ever did. 
could this be the Christ? And in verse 30, our last verse, they came out of the city and they came to him. Beautiful story. So I'm going to go back to my original question. Why do you think Jesus had to go through Samaria? Why do you think he had to go through many, many reasons, aren't there? Now that we just read this story, he needed to, to fill the emptiness of this lost soul, this poor woman. This poor woman that had been searching for so long for someone to love her. He had to tell her about the living water, accepting him and his and, and that living water just begins to flow within you. And Jesus crossed all barriers to get to this woman, didn't he? He didn't worry about what the other the Jewish rulers were going to say. He just crossed all the barriers because he needed to speak to this outcast. He needed to tell her that he loved her just the way she was. It's okay. I know you have a bad past, you know. I'm going to wash that away and make you as white as snow. That's what he's saying to this woman with this living water. He quenched her thirst for God, didn't he? And this lady went down in history in the Bible as having a one-on-one -on -one conversation with Jesus. Is that awesome? We have a one-on-one -on -one with him. Spiritually, she got to see him in person. A one-on-one, -on -one. she went down in history as that, with the creator of the universe, universe. How awesome is that? Can you imagine sitting and having a conversation with Jesus? So she turns out to be a pretty famous lady, doesn't she? You know, and I, I hope that I've kind of changed your thought. When you hear about the, the Sumerian, Samaritan woman, you automatically think, oh, you know, like a prostitute or, you know, an outcast. But, but, and she was. And so were we, right? Until Jesus came. He changed her. He changed her life. He changed our lives. And I, I, it's really interesting, and I wish that they had recorded this, but Jesus stayed another two days in Samaria. We don't know exactly what all happened, but I can tell you, <laughs> he changed a lot of people's lives, I'm quite sure. Two days in Samaria. We don't know how many people came to the Lord. And God always has an amazing plan. That was what I call, this, this meeting with her, that's what I call a divine appointment, a divine appointment with God. So Jesus had many, many reasons to go through Samaria, didn't he? And he had many, many reasons why he chose you and me. We're to minister the gospel. We're to talk to the outcast. We're to talk to the unlovable. We're to love the unlovable. We're to love those that maybe they, they don't feel like they fit in. We need to draw them in with the love of God. That's what Jesus did. That's what he did for you and me. And I'd like to close with this one scripture that I love, Jesus, uh, toward the end of, before he was crucified. John 7, 37 through 38 says, On the last day, the great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out, saying, If anyone thirst... Let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. So that's what you and I have. We have that living water within us to flow out to others, whoever they are. 
You know, and I, I know that's hard, and I know sometimes it's hard to love the unlovable, but when we begin to learn how to love them with the love of God, not our love, but that agape, that, that a love, and I know you've heard me say this before, but it's that divine love that has absolutely no strings attached. I love you the way you are. I don't care what you've done. I don't care about your past. I love you the way you are, and Jesus loves you. He wants to give you that living water. That's pretty simple, isn't it? We can all do that, can't we? So I want to say to you, if the Lord has touched your heart in any way, and you want to, you're not sure maybe that living water is flowing in you. Um, we have many leaders here. After we're, we're dismissed, uh, find a leader. They would be more than happy to pray with you. I don't want you to leave this place without having that living water, for being positive that you have that living water. And don't be ashamed to be prayed for. It, honestly, I, I consider it an honor to pray to, for you, and so do the leaders. So please don't leave this place. And those of you that are watching online as well, you can call our church office, and they will find someone to pray for you, guarantee it. So with that, loved ones, let's close in a word of prayer. Father, we thank you for this amazing story of your love, this amazing story of a woman so damaged in life that, Lord, she had no hope, but you gave her hope. You gave her that living water, and so, Lord, we're so thankful for, the, for, for your word that you've recorded these things to minister to us. So, Lord, would we be excited about going out and, and talking to someone, talking to our neighbor, talking to someone at the store, telling them how amazing Jesus is, that he loves the unlovable. He loves the outcast. He loves you just the way you are. So, Father, thank you for your word. Thank you that your Holy Spirit is alive and well. Thank you, Jesus, for loving us. Thank you, Jesus, for saving us. Thank you, Jesus, that you gave us that living water. We love you, we praise you, and bless your holy name. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen. amen.